When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, and I hope that you guys are well today. It is Friday, which means it is Maroon Friday. It's the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope that uh, it's a payday for you. How about that? A payday would be great, maybe for you weekly and bi-weekly wage earners. Maybe today is the day. Hopefully you get out and go do some fun things with friends and family. Perhaps coming to Dirty Noble Field. You know, we had about 3,000 fans on Wednesday, and uh, we're going to talk about that game a little bit later. But uh, let me again encourage you, if you are a Bulldog season ticket holder and you cannot make it to the game, please, please, please ensure that your tickets wind up in the hands of Bulldog fans. There are plenty of Bulldog fans that are looking for grandstand tickets there are not any general admission tickets available this weekend the hope is that they will be available uh, for the Arkansas game now that may change I don't expect it to but uh, there are a lot of people that want to go to games that uh, perhaps don't have grandstand tickets and so again please try to get them in the hands of Bulldog fans a little bit later in the show we'll take a look at Eastern Michigan We'll begin to kind of break down the weekend. I've got some uh, interesting stats to share with you as well. So if you are a Bulldog fan that loves baseball, this is going to be a show that I think you're going to enjoy because I've got some numbers that I think are very, very important. And uh, some of them involve uh, your Bulldog pitching staff. They are really beginning to round into form. And listen, I get it. A lot of people are like, Steve, well, I'm a little worried about the weekend rotation. I understand that. Christian McLeod announced as your Friday starter. Eric Sarantola will go on Saturday and Jackson Fristo on Sunday. That's how it's been all season long on the weekends. Now, what does that mean? Well, a lot of people tried to project, you know, that perhaps that uh, Will Bednar would start on Saturday. I am told that he will be available this weekend and probably throw a couple of innings and then could potentially start on the weekend uh, next weekend at OSU. So we'll see how things go. But uh, hopefully Christian McLeod and Eric Sarantola will uh, round into form and have big weekends for us. I'm excited about the weekend. I think we have a chance to see some really cool things. I know that all of you are excited about uh, the week that we've had thus far. State now 2-0 and on the weekend. Should be a great weekend of college baseball. Uh, if you are a fan like me, you know, I keep up with everybody. I, I really do. I keep up with everybody in our league. And I think it's important that we do that because, you know, once we get into conference play – all of this is going to kind of round into into shape, and we'll be able to see, you know, kind of what's going on with, um, you know, with our our neighbors around the region. You know, I don't think that there is a, a consensus team out there that's uh, that I would say, you know, what this is without a doubt the best team. I think there are a lot of uh, players, and I think there are a lot of uh, teams and a lot of coaches that are very, very good. I don't know if you look at it and say, you know what, this team is absolutely better than everybody else. Even though Arkansas is number one, I think in many ways that is kind of fool's gold. And what I mean by that is 
if you look at their earned run average, they're kind of getting by. They're just kind of getting by. I think it's a really cool thing. But, um, you know, once we get into SEC play, you're going to kind of separate the sheep from the goats, shall we say. And uh, when we get to the end of that deal, I believe the Bulldogs have a real chance to uh, to get on top. And so one of the things I want to share with you guys, too, that, um, that I think is important when you look around the league is that there are a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, would have you believe that, uh, you know, the league – you know, maybe not be as strong as it has been. And you'd say, well, you know, Steve, we got all those teams in the top five, top six, whatever. But the bottom half of the league is just kind of average. I think there's a lot of parity in the league this year. I, I really do. And I think that that is great for Mississippi State. I think we are going to be much better than some people uh, anticipate. You can say, well, Steve, we're number two in the country according to Baseball America and number three by D1 Baseball. I think when you begin to kind of break the whole thing down, you look at it and say, well – You've got a lot of people out there that have got great frontline pitching. You've got some teams that are great offensively. I don't know that anybody right now you look at and say is elite offensively, but the hitting will come around as people begin to get film on pitchers and things of that nature. But this weekend, in many respects, is is kind of um, you know it's that last tune-up, but there are a lot of teams in the SEC that I think could drop games this weekend. Let me run this schedule down for you just because I think it's important that, for you to know this. So real quickly here, just looking at the SEC schedule, Georgia State will be at Kentucky. Kentucky dropped a couple of games last week, their first games of the season. Uh, they will host Georgia State. Georgia State, I believe, five wins against ranked opponents at the time they played them. Arkansas Little Rock will be at Auburn. Lipscomb will be at Georgia. Jacksonville, the Dolphins, will be at the University of Florida. UNC Greensboro will be at number 15, Tennessee. Stetson will be at Alabama. I could certainly see Stetson taking the game. You know, Stetson used to be one of those uh, G5 teams a lot of the uh, baseball hipsters loved. And uh, they do make a routine of, of taking either a game or two from Florida, Florida State over the regular season. Arkansas, your top-ranked team, will be at Louisiana Tech. I'm expecting Tech, Tech to take a game. I really do. I think Lane Burroughs and that crew will take a game from Arkansas. That could be big for state in next week's rankings. We'll see. And not, not that you know rankings this early in the year mean a whole lot. But uh, if, you know, if they're going to rank somebody number one, it would be cool to see us be there. Uh, Eastern Michigan, of course, at Mississippi State. Vanderbilt on the road in Stillwater, Oklahoma, to take on the number 13 Oklahoma State Cowboys. That is one of those series you look at and say, this is kind of separation weekend. Missouri will be at Illinois State. And uh, Missouri, the only team in the SEC with an overall losing record. Number 12, South Carolina, will be at number 19, Texas. I do expect Texas to uh, to take a game or two. That's a big series, and uh, not, not just in the SEC, but nationally. UL Monroe will be at Ole Miss. Sanford will be at Texas A&M. That Sanford club is sneaky good. A lot of people kind of sleep on them a little bit as one of these uh, you know G5 mid-major type teams. I think Sanford is a team that uh, is capable of taking a game from A&M. And in Texas, San Antonio – will be at number one, number 21 LSU. I expect LSU to take that series, but, you know, I expected LSU to take that series against Oral Roberts as well. And so, I mean, there is the, the, the distinct possibility if they drop a game that, you know, they could be unranked next weekend. Uh, you know my feelings about LSU. I, I love Mississippi State baseball more than any sport sporting team in the world. And so – for me, the rivalry is not necessarily Ole Miss. I want to beat Ole Miss because uh, 
you know, I, I enjoy beating Ole Miss, and we have done that with great regularity. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, our natural rival has been LSU for many, many years, probably since Skip Bertman got there, you know, in the 80s. That, you know, LSU has been the team that we've needed to kind of to beat, to really contend and compete in the SEC West. In recent years, it's kind of shifted more to Arkansas, and some of that's because we've had some success against them. They swept us at their place. We swept them at our place. We'll get them at our place a little bit later this year. But that series at LSU is huge for a lot of reasons, not just, you know, take the emotion out of it. It's a very, very young LSU team. It's very, very talented. And they were exposed a little bit last weekend. They've got some some holes in the lineup, shall we say. But it's still LSU. I am glad that we get them early. A lot of people said, oh, I can't believe we're getting to the first SEC weekend and we're on the road. I think that's a good thing for us. I think we're going to go play play well down there. And I think uh, the fact that they're not going to be able to have capacity crowds really helps us. I really, really do. I would rather get them early and then maybe get a series win because uh, a little bit later in the year, I believe they're going to open up capacity and those young guys are going to get some experience under their belt. They're going to be a good team, which would only help Mississippi State's RPI as we kind of move towards the NCAA baseball tournament. So that's where we stand with that. Kind of look again, looking around the league, having a good feeling about where we stand right now. And, and everybody has questions. If you go read the message boards of other teams, everybody's worried about this, worried about that. And it's a lot of the same concerns that you guys have as well. We got to settle the rotation. We got to, and we got to be better offensively. So, and all those things are true, but they're not just unique to Mississippi State. Bulldog Burger Company is unique to Mississippi and uh, two great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Uh, listen, I love Bulldog Burger Company and you will as well. Go buy half the full of bologna. Go, I mean, that's a lot of protein. When you, you get the fried egg, you get the, the six ounce uh, beef patty and the bologna on top of it. Go buy, check it out. Tell them that, uh, that I sent you. You can have that new eye tuna burger as well. There's just a lot of things to pull from there. And then that, that grilled chicken club, absolutely outstanding. New items to the Bulldog Burger Company menu. And I think you're going to be pleased with those selections. They've been running them as a special for a while. And uh, you guys have enjoyed them enough that they're going to go ahead and make that full-time on the menu. Again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, it is a baseball-friendly show, but we would be remiss if we did not open the show with some talk about the SEC men's basketball tournament. Mississippi State picks up a huge win over Kentucky. And you say, Steve, it's not a huge win. This is a really bad Kentucky team. Well, here's the deal. I think at times we get caught up kind of playing the name on the front of the jersey rather than the back. You know, we should have beat Kentucky when they came in here earlier this year. They were really struggling, and we lost them in double overtime because we couldn't execute offensively. And so we kind of, you know, we get back there. And we're going to break down the game, but I want to look around the league a little bit too. But it's one of those things you begin to think, okay, this Mississippi State team has lost a handful of games. They should have won. That being one of them, you kind of redeem that loss, and then you put them out of the postseason. They were going to need to come in here and win all four games with a losing record. They're not going to get an at-large bid to anything. And so you kind of knock them out. And when's the last time Kentucky ended their season – uh, with a loss to Mississippi State. Been a long time. We had not beaten them in 15 straight games going all the way back to 2009. And that's the Jarvis Bernardo years, right? I mean, it was it's insane to think about that. But uh, that streak is now snapped and behind us. Ben Howen beats Kentucky for the first time in his tenure at Mississippi State. Bulldogs now won four of six. 
and then tomorrow we get a chance to play Alabama, and you say, well, you know what, they're the SEC championship number one. You know, we have given them two great ball games. We have really got in there and done a good job against them. And so I expect us to play well. I really do. And I think on a neutral floor, perhaps that helps us a great deal. But, um, you know, I like the fact that this team now, our Mississippi State team, has a win under their belts. It is a new season. I, I would not want to play us right now. I think we're a difficult out. And I think Alabama, if you begin to think about how things have broken down, they've won six, they've lost just six games all year and only two in the league, and Mississippi State had a chance to beat them twice. Now you've got to beat a team a third time, and that's one of the things people always say. It's almost impossible to beat a team uh, for the third time. I don't know if I buy into that unless they're evenly matched. But for some reason, Ben Howen has been able to, uh, to figure this thing out and give – Mississippi State a chance to win. So around the league, of course, State wins 74-73. Vanderbilt loses to Florida 69-63. Missouri takes down Georgia 73-70. It took a little while, but they got it figured out. And then, of course, uh, Ole Miss blew out South Carolina as expected. And so looking at your Friday bracket, I know many of you will kind of keep an eye on all that. It'll be a very busy day in men's basketball on Friday. Looking at the SEC schedule, Alabama-Mississippi State will be the morning game at 11. Florida and Tennessee, that's your uh, your lunch basketball. Arkansas-Missouri and then L- Ole Miss at LSU. Uh, should be four great games. I mean, absolutely should be. And so my hope is we can open up with a bit of an upset there, and then you just never know what to expect in, in the semifinals. If, if State could somehow get by Alabama, I mean, goodness gracious, I mean – at that point, anything is possible. But, again, one game at a time, and we'll just kind of figure it out. Mississippi State now two games above 500, And so, you know, you would say, well, we're guaranteed a winning record, and I've said that for some time. That would be great. But we could, you know, slip into the NIT. I mean, who knows how this thing's going to break loose. And you beat Alabama, of course, uh, you know, all things are possible. So, you know, I'm happy with what's happened here as of late. And uh, I've been very, very critical of Ben Howen's group. But I tell you, offensively, they were absolutely outstanding against Kentucky. They t- Kentucky took some things away from us there in the second half. But uh, let's take a look at the game here. Abdullah Dew, I thought, was outstanding early on and then didn't score there in the second half. But uh, we made a statement early on and kind of showed them we were there to play. I'm going to give Ben Howen a lot of credit because the Bulldogs were ready to go. We came out and executed extremely well offensively early in that ball game and were able to get some layups and uh, you know to get the easier shot that's the big thing you know we have really struggled at times to really run any semblance of offense and and kind of set ourselves up for an easy shot we did that with regularity against Kentucky and you know Kentucky of course uh, considered to be the most talented team in this league every single year even though they didn't show it this year so we win the ball game let's kind of break it down here for you Iverson Molinar, of course, uh, two huge shots late. Contested threes going to his left uh, to give State the lead. So, State comes out, as we mentioned, dominates the paint and is up 14 at the break. Now, at that point, I'll be honest with you, I said, we're going to win this ball game. And next thing I know, Kentucky comes out and makes a big run there. And you knew they would, but the Bulldogs able to sustain it. Iverson Molinar with 21 points, 30 minutes of action, 8 of 10 from the floor, and those two big threes, the only twos, only threes he hit all night. He was two of four, and then three of three from the line, just the one rebound. Uh, Tolu Smith, I thought, was an absolute animal on the boards. 11 rebounds, 13 points, 
31 minutes of action. And listen, there were some other shots too that uh, that probably should have fell. Abdul Adu, great energy for him. Nine rebounds, 12 points, and just three personal fouls. Had the one big block and had a great steal that uh, led to a great outlet pass that gave State a, a fast break opportunity. DJ Stewart, not a great game. 37 minutes uh, of action, just four or 15 from the floor. Hit one three. Did pull down seven boards, but handed out 10 assists. Also had four turnovers and nine points. But uh, I, I look for him to bounce back. He has played well against Alabama. It's been a good matchup for him. Uh, Derek Fountain gave State good minutes, 26 minutes of action, two of four from the field, and pulled down four rebounds uh, just to five points. But, uh, again, doing some big things out there, uh, you know, for State. So, looking at Kentucky, the second half here, they come back and uh, basically flip the script on us and outscore us 43-30. to And it looked like late in the ballgame when they finally got the lead, I guess they went on an 11-0 run there, and, and took the lead from us that we had every opportunity to fold. We did not. I, I thought, I'll be honest with you, too, I thought the technical foul on Devion Smith was a joke. It was an absolute joke. And he said, well, you know, he hung on the rim and he slapped the backboard. And I get it. It's tournament play, though. It's not like he was trash talking or anything like that. I thought it was a bad call. And I saw, I guess it was uh, Brian Haydad that said, that's the, uh, hey, we're mad that Kentucky's winning technical foul. State with 46 points in the paint really dominated. You know, Kentucky with just 22. They had 11 points off turnovers. Uh, State just two. I think uh, – let me look at the numbers here. They did not turn the ball over much at all. Yet it's five turnovers. And that is, you know, that's one of those things that the Ben Howen defensive effort is usually pretty good at is creating turnovers. We did not do a good job with that and still found a way to win the game. Uh, Dante Allen, 23 points again for some reason. He loves seeing that maroon jersey coming off the bench. Had, what, seven threes in Starkville. Uh, has six today. Just a big game. Just one of those things that happens. But, uh, yeah, pretty even scoring for them. But Mississippi State did a pretty good job, I think, there in the second half of you know kind of weathering the storm. Three-point shooting for them, 40%. Uh, that generally will win you a ball game. You know, we shot just 29%, 5 of 17, but we were much better at the line than we had been right at 82%. And none bigger, of course, than those two that Iverson Molinar hit to give State the league with seven seconds to go. Many of you felt like I did. You know, I've seen this movie before, and I and here's I joke with some friends in a group text. It's just going to be a putback. You know, they, they'll miss the shot because we'll overplay the shooter, and then they'll, they'll get a rebound and put it up and we'll lose the game. Well, he nearly makes it. But, you know, nearly makes it, gets you zero points in college basketball. So Mississippi State wins the game. And I don't know that a lot of people expected State to win. I think a lot of us looked at it and said, you know what, State has an opportunity to win. But we have had some great teams that have uh, lost games to Kentucky, you know, over the last decade or so when we thought we had a real chance to win. Even when they were really good, there were times that we played them really well and we just didn't execute late. But in the final few minutes there, State got baskets when they had to have them. And let's run down these last couple of minutes before we kind of begin to look ahead here. Those are the things that excite me is that that's where I think we're maturing some as a basketball team. Because this this team a couple months ago, I don't think you win this game. I think you get overwhelmed, uh, you know, by the streak and the things that kind of go along with that. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, kind of going back to that whole stretch there where uh, Kentucky took the lead, uh, Kentucky – 
Let me see here. I guess they were up. Uh, was it 62.55? Yeah, they were up 62.55. And we had every opportunity there to kind of back away. Well, we didn't. We didn't do that. We continued to kind of battle. And um, you know, they come back and make a shot, makes it to – we were up, excuse me. We were up 62.55. And then uh, they make a run, and, and it's uh, you know, 62.57. Next thing you know, we're only up two. And then it's a one-point game with seven minutes to go. They tie the game at 7.20. We get go back up two, and then they get the three-point shot from Deontay Allen to go up 65-64. It seesaws a bit. We get that great runner in the paint by DJ to put us back up one. They go down with uh, Olivier Saar. And, and listen, that foul on Abdullah Dew was a complete joke. I mean, an absolute joke. But we weathered the storm. We absolutely did. Despite the fact that we were down two, we turned the ball over, and then they go up five, 71-66 with 4.30 to go. And if Kentucky had gone on and won this game, it would have kind of been what most people anticipated. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. Iverson Molinar hits the big three to pull us within two. Uh, Saar misses the jumper. Tolu gets the rebound, and we go right back down to Iverson, who hits another big three, a very a contested three. And then Saar gets that layup and puts him up one. And so with a minute to play, we're down one. We go down, try to get some things going on, and then you know we're able to hold for that last shot because we traded misses there. And uh, I guess it was 27 seconds to go. You know we're going down and it would a chance to win it. And then at seven at seven seconds they foul Iverson Molinar. Could have called that on all three Wildcats because they all contested the shot. And he calmly steps up and knocks them both down. And then Allen gets off a three. There at the end, Abdu pulls the rebound down. The game is over. And so there's, there was a lot to be proud of in that ballgame on Thursday. I mean, let's just kind of call it what it is. I mean, many of you, including myself, midway through this SEC schedule, we said, you know what, this is just not going to work out. You want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year. Mississippi State is. It hadn't always been pretty, for sure. And there have been some other games. I mean, you look at that, you know, that home game against Alabama. State easily could have won that game. Uh, maybe easily is a little bit wrong. But you made it run it late. You made it competitive, and they began to kind of hit some shots. And uh, that's where we're going to have to be really good is on perimeter defense tomorrow. But then you make that road trip to Auburn, and you drop that game. But both of those games were competitive, and State was in them late. And so you say, well, we've won four of six and could have won the other two. You know, of course, we didn't win them, but we didn't get embarrassed in those games. And so for the last six ball games, I think you can look at Mississippi State and say, yes, this team has improved. This team has improved. And so you begin to think about next year, and there's a lot of discussion now about D.J. Stewart probably going to come back. I do think you'll see Iverson Molinar and Abdu and Tolu Smith all put their names in to, uh, to get their NBA feedback. But if you had to ask me today, I think all three of them come back. But before we get to that point, we're going to have another chance at the University of Alabama. Regular season SEC champion Alabama. And in most years you would say, oh, we got number one in the second round. I don't know that there's a Mississippi State fan that looks at tomorrow's ball game or Friday's ball game and says, you know what, we're definitely going to lose that. Because we played them very close twice. And so you get a new floor. It's a neutral floor. It's not packed. And you've got the euphoria of kind of getting the Kentucky, the big blue monkey off your back. 
And so I think they'll be excited to go play again. And, and listen, I don't count them out. I'm not going to pick State to win the game, but I won't be the least bit surprised if they do. And then if they do, hey, you know, let's set up for a great weekend, right? But uh, I'm proud of the Bulldogs today. Proud of Ben Howen and his crew for having them ready to go. And uh, I thought Coach's comments in the post game were just absolutely phenomenal. I thought he did a great job with all of it, and I think he's to be commended. And we didn't have a timeout late. You could kind of argue, man, I'm sure if we had a timeout there, but it worked out well. When you've got you know, a guy like Iverson Molinar, sometimes it's better to just let them flow because you don't give them a chance to set the defense. And he was able to beat them off the left side, and uh, it was going to be a high-arcing layup. You know, he kind of threw it up there, but he knew that he was going to get contact. And, you know, that's, that's what you want. When you've got an 83% free throw shooter, you want him driving to the basket because if they foul him, more likely than not, it's going to be two points for you. We needed one to tie and two to take the lead. We got them both. And uh, didn't really put a big defensive stand together there late. We kind of got lucky they missed the shot. I still don't know how he was so open. But, uh, you know, when they, they gave it to him and he goes down and he gets an open look, I was already preparing for the message board meltdown because that's where it, it looked like the whole thing was going. And I think when if you're fair with yourself, you say, you know what, they call timeout, we have a chance to set the defense. Shouldn't somebody have picked him up? Shouldn't somebody have said, you know what, if we lose this ball game, it's not going to be because of him. And so, yeah, there's some teachable moments there. But uh, at the end of the day, we win the ball game. And uh, I saw some people, I love those, those KSR people, you know, kind of throwing shots at State. I look at it like I've responded to one of those guys, and I'm like, you know, it's like I, I don't understand how we lost that game against them. It's this bad Kentucky team in double overtime. State should be 2-0 and against Kentucky. We're not, but we should be. I don't know that Kentucky fans really have anything to feel good about this year. I mean, yeah, they've had a couple ball games here and there. They've played pretty well. But, you know, what first losing season under Calipari, they're not going to make the tournament. Duke's not going to participate in the tournament. They've got COVID issues. And so, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you do? There's two big blue bloods that won't be in a tournament. And um, I think it's good for college basketball, to be honest with you. I think there needs to be more parity because what happens is the same few teams every single year, you know, that get in there. It's kind of like the FBS playoffs. That's why people want an expansion. I, I don't know that that changes anything. But with Kentucky and Duke not playing, uh, it gives room for some other teams to make a run at a national championship. And I think that is great for the game. I look forward to kind of seeing how things progress. But I'm proud of Mississippi State today. I am proud of Mississippi State. I'm proud of those young men that have endured a lot of hardship this year. They've endured some roster losses. You had so many guys that left the program last year. You had, what, three in the transfer portal. And uh, you had some other guys go pro. And, you know, it was a roster makeover. But then here we are now playing in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament after beating the University of Kentucky. And we have a winning record. I told you guys at the beginning of the year, if we could end the year with a winning record somewhere around 500 in the SEC, we'd count that as a win. Well, we have it. And so anything else at this point is a bonus. Ben Howen now has won, what, a game in the SEC tournament with four straight years? you, know, you got to give the guy some credit. And it's easy to get caught up, you know, game to game on the, uh, the roller coaster of emotion that Mississippi State men's basketball has been. You Just when they pull you back in, they give you a reason to give up on them. But this time of year is an exciting time of year, and this has generally been Ben Howen's best you know, time of year of his career. He's usually been a very good tournament coach, even though we don't have a tournament win. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know what, it's year six. Um, you know, we should be happy just being involved. I, I don't agree with that. I think we should be farther along because when you cons- consistently have these guys hit the portal 
it's like you're you're always in a state of building. It's like running a junior college program. And so, you know, my hope is is that because we have played so well down the stretch, these guys will will come back and say, you know what, we got a chance to be even better next year, and we do. And I think a lot of those games that we let get away from us this year late because we couldn't execute offensively, I think we get those games next year. You know, I could certainly see State being a team that wins 20-plus games uh, next year. And, of course, you know, we'll get the, the, the benefit of a full schedule, hopefully. And State's been really, really blessed. I mean, to be honest with you, there's been some other teams around the country who have had a lot of COVID issues. We haven't had that much. You know, we of course, we missed Iverson early on and, you know, dropped a couple of games. We should have won. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still playing basketball. And uh, I would suspect the Bulldogs, you know, probably got a good night's rest tonight. And are going to be ready to play. I expect Ben Howland to have those guys ready to play. We've got to weather the early storm. You know, Nate Oates is going to have Alabama shooting it from the locker room. You know, John Petty, of course, will come in, and he's a guy that's kind of been a burr in the Bulldog saddle. But we got to get out there, and if we can get to that under eight timeout and really be in the ball game, I mean, we got a shot. And again, you know, belief is a dangerous thing. I mean, it really is. And you know, I'm sure right now the Bulldogs are thinking tonight, you know, hey, we can beat Alabama. And you know what? Alabama's probably thinking, you know what? Mississippi State can beat us. And so we're going to get their best effort. They're going to come out, and I'm sure, you know, to give us everything they have. You know, I'm sure they're thinking long-term, thinking, hey, we've got a chance to be, you know, a potential two-seed uh, when the bracket comes out. And so all the pressure's on them. We can go out there and play loose and fast. Nobody's expecting anything from us. But in the back of their minds, they know, yeah, we beat these guys twice, but we had to really work to do it. So – we're not going to sneak up on them, but I think it's one of those things, too, where they probably realize, you know, we get a couple shots to fall early because uh, everybody loves the underdog. And there will be a lot of, you know, you know, fans in there that don't have a vested interest in the game or just there to see a good basketball game that will uh, they'll be pulling from it for us. And so that will be a great thing. Today's top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi, a great medical group, a great guy. He is a bulldog through and through. Two locations to serve you right here on Stark Road in Starkville. It's 910 Stark Road and 618 Pegram Drive there in Tupelo. If you're a person that's really struggling, you know, with sinus pressure, if you've got, uh, you know, these sinus headaches and things like that, or you've got this post-nasal drip but you just simply can't seem to shake, and you're just trying to treat it with over-the-counter medication, you're just trying to treat your symptoms rather than address the real problem let dr yarber help you there's no point you putting up with that there's no point living that way you don't have to live that way call dr yarber you can get an appointment today 662-844-6513 sinus problems common to ear throat problems in children i mean you know listen one of the greatest things as a parent is like you know when you've got a you know a kid that's kind of struggling with something and you can get that alleviated from their life and give them an opportunity to to lead a more productive and happy life, you want to do that. So don't just think about yourself, think about your children. Again, that's Dr. Robert Yarber from the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi, 662-844-6513. And if you're if you in Starkville and you have to have a surgical procedure, it's going to be done at OCH. And that's a great thing. That's a county-owned hospital. And so anytime that we can you know, shoot some business their way, that's just an even better situation there too. So Dr. Yarber... Uh, will absolutely take care of you. And uh, I, I just encourage you to give him a shot. He's a great guy. I've known him a long time. And uh, really glad to have him as part of the show. 
All right, so let's take a look. Top 10 list. Roy and I are doing an inventory, and uh, we figure up we've done about 150 of these top 10 lists thereabouts. It started in late March as part of a quarantine project, and I was trying to fill some content. Never knew you guys would enjoy it as much as you do. They're not, they haven't all been music. They've been music a lot lately, but uh, we've got about 150 top 10 lists. We've got to go back and do some inventory, so we hadn't done a lot of duplications. But um, one of the bands that we realized we haven't done is the Cars. Now, I'll be honest with you, you know, this was right in my, um, you know, right when I was really kind of getting into, you know, rock music. I mean, and I don't mean, like, Kiss is my favorite band in the 70s. You know, but I kind of got into Ozzy and Quiet Riot and people like that. And so the Cars was kind of off my radar a little bit. But they were so successful, you couldn't ignore them. And I'm part of the MTV generation. You know, MTV, of course, used to stand for music television. And they actually played rock music videos. And we'd sit there and watch that all day long. And it was the greatest days of our lives. And the Cars were prominently, you know, mentioned on MTV. They had a lot of number one hits. They were constantly in the top 40. And so here is my here are my top ten cars songs. Top ten songs from the cars. Now I have a couple of fans, cars fans in my family that will disagree with my list, and that's okay. Maybe someday they'll put a show together and they'll have their own list and you can listen to that and perhaps you'll agree with them. But this is my list. Now you may disagree, your list would be wrong. Uh, but feel free to let me know where I'm wrong. I enjoy the interactions. I have so many people on Twitter that say, hey, Steve, you blew it on this one. And sometimes they're right. You know, sometimes, hey, you know, Steve, you missed this song. I say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. That probably should have been at least an honorable mention. No honorable mentions today, but here are the top 10 songs from The Cars. Number 10, one of their first hits, You're All I've Got Tonight. You're All I've Got Tonight. That's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, number nine tonight she comes and it seems like that was on every 80s movie soundtrack i mean yeah i don't know if it was breakfast club or 16 candles or whatever all those john hughes films it seemed like he was a big cars fan because they were always playing in some party scene but tonight she comes great tune number eight i've never been in a situation here because i believe in the bro code i really do i don't know why it's so complicated for some people i never dated any of my uh, friends exes my attitude was is when my friend broke up with a girl then I broke up with her too you know that's just kind of how it was I didn't I didn't think it was open season now now every girl that I dated at least one of my friends at least peripherally tried to date her after we broke up and I th- again that's a violation of the bro code so I never did that but the name of this one is my best friend's girl my best friend's girl you know what it's about I mean, you've heard a song a million times and it's been played on the radio forever and a day I guess, for goodness gracious, about 40 years now, if not longer. But again, I do not approve of breaking the bro code. I I don't. I'm I'm a staunch supporter of the bro code. I always felt like if somebody wanted to date my exes and, you know, they just wanted to take my seconds, I was fine too. But I didn't do it to them. Because how do you have that double date later? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how do you you have the prom date thing, right? I mean, I'm going to go to dinner. And, and then my ex is going to be sitting across the way with one of my best friends. Nah, I'm not, I'm not living life that way, man. I'm not going to do it. Number seven, and I know there are some of you out there that say, Steve, this song should be number one. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But it's just what I needed, which is really one of the better car songs. I mean, it really is a strong song. But there are some other ones that I just like a lot more. 
just what I needed. I, I get there is a there is a Cars fan that lives at my residence that will tell me that song should be number one. They're wrong, but that's what they'll tell me. Number six, this was a huge hit for them, and it's magic. And there was a great video that went along with that. They had Rick Ocasek kind of walking on water, and at the time it seemed so revolutionary. And then they kind of told us how they did it a little bit later. But uh, at the time, it was a really cool music video. Number five, and there were times in my life this you could convince me this is the best car song. You know, I remember listening uh, to my mom's AM radio and her 1979 Ford Fairmont as we rode up Highway 98, listening to the song. We didn't even have a tape deck. It's like I think about all the music we have today and how accessible it all is, and I'm so grateful because I lived in an era that we, we couldn't even pull, play our own music in the car. We, we didn't even have FM. We weren't, we, weren't, we weren't rich people because back in those days, cars came standard with an AM radio. You had to pay extra for FM or to get a tape deck, and we just didn't have that kind of jack, man. We were as broke as the Ten Commandments. But the name of the song is Let's Go. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> one of the things about the cars that kind of made me a little bit reluctant, you know, when I was younger, was, you know, they, they kind of overused the synthesizer. I think they get it absolutely right on this song. Let's go. I like the nightlife, baby. Uh, number four, and this is one of those songs, too, that was a huge, huge, huge MTV hit. And I think a lot of it's because the video was so innovative, but it's You Might Think. It's a really good song. I think the video might be better than the song, but it is a, it is a really good one. Number three, Good Times Roll. Absolutely killer track. Uh, I never thought Rick Ocasek was a great vocalist, but I think this is one of his better vocal performances. You know, it, the Cars are one of those bands that you can get up and sing karaoke to because there's just not a lot of range to it. But Good Times Roll, that's one where I really think that uh, Rick kind of shows off a little bit. Number two... And I could have put this number one. And one of my favorite rock stars of all time, probably my favorite rock star of all time, his side project band, 6AM, did a tremendous cover of this song. But it's Drive. Who's going to drive you home tonight? I love the lyrics of this one. It's just one of those deals where we've all been there at some point. I do like the 6AM version better because it's more haunting. But uh, I love the fact this song was written so well. And it was... You know, I used to write for the student newspaper at Jefferson Middle School. And we used to poll students. We had like a top ten music songs for, you know, each. Well, I guess we did a paper every couple couple weeks. And I remember this one being number one for like a couple months because everybody loved the song so much. But it's Drive. Still stands up today. There's a lot of that stuff from the 80s that you listen to it and it kind of sounds a little cheesy. This is not one of them. This is a tremendous song. So you're thinking, okay, well, Steve... What's number one? What's Shake It Up? Shake It Up. So I'm not going to sing to you, but Roy will have the list up. i got to send him the list. I usually probably wake him up at about 2 in the morning when I send these lists. I'm sure his wife loves that. But uh, this is, again, Roy and I are kind of going through doing some inventory, kind of seeing what we have what we have done, what we haven't done. We don't want to duplicate things, and uh, we also don't want to miss some great bands. And... Uh, there are some bands, I think, in my mind, surely I've done them, and that I haven't. And just to kind of give you an idea of some bands that are going to be coming up, I, I, I'm, I'm going to double-check this, but I, I don't think we've done the Beatles. We might have, 
And I've got some doubt if we've done the Rolling Stones. I think we did the Rolling Stones maybe early on, but I'm not exactly sure. We're going to double-check that. But we've never done Metallica. Uh, Roy doesn't think we've done Guns N' Roses. I think we have. We're going to double-check that. We haven't done Iron Maiden. Uh, we haven't done Pink Floyd. And then Roy tried to sneak Coldplay on there for me, too. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know 10 Coldplay songs. And I don't really like Chris's voice either. So I don't know if that list makes... I know, I know, listen, I know some of you are listening this, and you're clutching your pearls right now and say, Steve, how could you say that? I just, I just wasn't into them. I just wasn't my thing. And I really wasn't that much into the cars, but I can respect the fact that they had some mega hits. Uh, I don't know if we can put a Coldplay list together. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I, I know this, Roy. We haven't done Quiet Riot either. And Quiet Riot, I know I could put 10 songs together for them. And I think we all know what number one would be. But uh, loved the early Quiet Riot years, and then uh, I guess they kind of lost me after the QR3 album. I guess the best song on that album was The Wild and the Young. Uh, great video for that one, too. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of taking an inventory because we've done this for you know almost a year now. And so you would say, well, we're running out of bands. Well, there's new bands that emerge, and there are other people that you, you guys send me topics, and uh, you know we try to change it up. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I love the idea that Sumner Davis gave me last week about, you know, favorite Dirty Noble songs. And some people said, Steve, you didn't put Friends in Low Places. And you guys know in mid-eighth, I always send out a tweet kind of as a uh, hat tip to all of our Friends in Low Places because that's kind of who we are. And I said, you didn't put that on there. What's well, because I kind of see that one in a category all of its own. I, I really do. I, I don't see that as a baseball song. I think that's just kind of something unique. Uh, you know, for the mid-eighth for us. And, we, and we've made a big deal out of that. And so I appreciate your support of that. But that's the top ten. If you've got an idea for the top ten list, reach out to me on social media. I am on all forms of social media, at ScoutSteveR. And if you're not following me on Twitter, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? Let's get out there and have a little fun, right? We can have some Egg Ball Twitter. I used to be on there a lot more with the Egg Ball Twitter. I used to dunk on people all the time. And then I kind of felt like it was probably beneath me a little bit. But sometimes I'm kidding myself, and I, I get the itching a little bit. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to smack somebody down. Like somebody will send something in silly, and I just want to dunk on them. And I always think if I can't make it funny, I don't need to do it. So get out there and help me. If if somebody's being crazy on Twitter, I might send you a tweet and say, "Hey, tell them this." No, I, do, I send it myself. I don't need anybody to do it for me. But uh, but anyway, reach out. Let me know about your top ten ideas. Uh, happy to do them and I, I sometimes sometimes I think you guys are trolling me you'll send me some obscure band and uh, I think you know I don't even know if this band had 10 hits and you want me to put a list of 10 together but I know that some of my tastes are somewhat obscure you know I, I could sit here and talk about obscure uh, 80s and 90s rock you know for for hours and and not really you know miss a beat because I know so much of that stuff I love that stuff so much but I don't think you guys want to sit here and listen to me talk about the Sea Hags and, and talk about bands like Odin or uh, we could talk Bullet Boys, I guess. I don't know if we could put a top 10 together list together, but um, you know, bands like DAD and uh, I love all that stuff. Bang Tango, Shotgun Messiah. I, you know, some people you're hearing this, you're thinking, I never heard of those bands. Well, you know, when you guys were listening to Poison, I was trying to find something a little more obscure. Bands like Vane, people like that. So, I could talk about that stuff all day, but I won't. So let's get into uh, some baseball stuff here. Brought to you by the folks at Campus Bookmart. Stan Ray is like such a great guy, man. Like I do on, on my Facebook, you know, I've been in recovery for a long time. And I do these things called the randoms. 
and they're just kind of my random thoughts. And a lot of times they're about recovery. And every, every time that I write about that, Stan Ray is like one of the first people to like to post. I mean, always. And, and Stan, I see you doing that. And thank you for your support. Uh, I, I was kind of in my feelings a little bit on Thursday. And uh, a lot of it's because, you know, and, and I'll get to the Campus Bookmark stuff in a second. But, um, you know, this you know recovery and addiction thing is real. And, you know, for me, I guess because I have dealt with this for so many years, when people contact me and somebody they love is kind of drowning in a sea of addiction, I want to do everything I can to help them, you know, because I know, I know what I went through and I know what my family went through. And I have been doing this long enough to know that most people don't make it. And so I invest so much of my emotion into that stuff to help people. And uh, I had somebody, it's, it's basically like a brother to me. I love the guy to death and he'd reached out and he's got a family member that's it's really struggling and uh, it's been that way for a while, kind of, you know, some brief periods of sobriety. And so I say that to say this. Um, don't ever surrender somebody you love to drugs and alcohol. Just just don't do it. Now, you may have to have some boundaries because loving without limits doesn't mean loving without boundaries. And I think it's important to kind of understand that distinction. I want to preach to you guys on the show or anything like that. But, you know, there are, there are so many people out there that uh, that, that – to deal with this and you know you know how it is growing up in small town mississippi there are just some things we don't talk about and i'm i'm not one of those people that subscribe to that that ideology i think those are the things we have absolutely have to talk about we have to talk about those things and sometimes when it's a family thing you kind of you hold your peace to keep the peace and then one day uh it's a rest in peace type deal it's as simple as that and so don't let you know your own maybe level of uh I guess the word would be uncomfortability, you know, be a stumbling block. You know, don't, don't be scared to have that difficult and that awkward conversation because it might be what saves somebody's life. But Stan the Man is always very supportive of that stuff with me, and I see that Stan, and I appreciate that, and that's one of the reasons I'm so glad to partner with Campus Bookmart. I love those people down there. I do, and I don't just say that because they advertise with the show because when they jumped in with us, I can promise you, I didn't have the listenership that we have today. And so I've hung in there with them. They've hung in here with me. And uh, I love going in there and spending some money because I know that I'm going to get quality products. And I'm going to get the newest and nicest stuff. That's When I get ready to go go on a trip or something and I think, you know what, I'm, I'm, me and the family are going to go down to Disney World or something like that, I always want to have my new Mississippi State stuff with me because I'm going to see some of you guys out there. Now, most of you would recognize me anyway, even if I were wearing stage stuff. But I believe in repping the brand. And I encourage you to do the same thing. There's no better place to outfit your family with the latest in Mississippi State fashions than Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you'll get the phrase it pays, BSR. Use that as your promo code, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So, since we were together last, Mississippi State has won an intercollegiate baseball game against the University of Louisiana. Now, I expected State to win the ball game, but I did believe that that ball game could potentially be our most difficult ball game of the week. Those guys down in the bayou can play some baseball. Now, my son played baseball down in Baton Rouge, and I can tell you it is a it is a baseball crazy state. We are too in Mississippi, but. In Louisiana, it's a little bit different. And, you know, we, we have that favorable weather, you know, down in the south so they can play baseball all year long. 
it is insane how much summer league baseball is played in Louisiana. It is absolutely ridiculous. You know, of course, you've got big cities like New Orleans and Baton Rouge, and for you know that respect, you know places like Alexandria, Lafayette. So there is no shortage of places to go play, and it seems like there's always a tournament going on. I know. I think I drove all over to Dadgum State you know, to get my kid to go play, but um, but you understand what I'm saying. And so they can recruit at home and do a really good job, and they have. And I like this UL team. I know they didn't look like a lot on Wednesday. You know, they really struggled to hit the baseball. And a lot of it had to do with Mississippi State's pitching, but more on that a little bit later. I thought State, great job situational hitting. A lot of good baseball plays in there that don't necessarily show up on the box score, but they do show up on the scoreboard. And so let's take a quick look at the UL game, and then we'll kind of move on because I've got some interesting numbers to share with you about your Mississippi State pitching staff. So – uh, Cajuns entered a ball game with a nine and four record. We were nine and three. We do win the ball game, and we jump out there early on Austin Perrin and put up a couple runs early, and we get two runs with the benefit of one hit. And again, it's just good baseball. And I wrote about this on Gene's page about how situational hitting was the difference in the ball game. I mean, you come in there right out of the gate, and you're on their necks, and. Um, you know, DeBrule, I mean, hits a blister ball back up the middle and they mishandle it at second. And a lot of that's got to do with his speed. You know, it's like you're, you're looking down the line, you're looking the ball in, and he's getting down there on you a little quicker than you expect. And so you, you're going to have to rush the throw, and that's kind of what happened. The ball handcuffed him. And so DeBrule is on, and then Rowdy slaps that single to left. And, again, you get a 2-1 count, you get an advantage count. You can be kind of selective with your – you know, with your pitch selection there. And so he was. And then Tanner Allen grounds out to second. There was no play to be made because he hit the ball pretty hard. So you get that ground ball on the right side. You get two guys in the scoring position. Kind of works like a sack bunt. And then they – what do they do? There's two men on in scoring position. They spike a breaking ball, and we score on a wild pitch. And then Cam James, of course, hits the uh, sack fly to center field. Second run scores. So the only hit in the inning is the Rowdy Jordan single, but yet it's a 2 nothing ball game. And we kind of felt like this was going to be, you know, a low-scoring game. Thought they would score a little bit, we'd score a little bit. Uh, they didn't score at all, and uh, we did. And of course, it's a 2 nothing ball game for much of the game, and a lot of that's because of Houston Harding. They call him Hootie, and uh, he is an extremely confident guy. I had a chance to visit with him this summer, a one-on-one interview, and he just told me, you know, my best pitch is my changeup. And you watch him pitch, and I don't know that I've ever known a guy that would say that because everybody's like, well, you know, I've got a great bacon ball, and I can throw the ball by everybody. He takes a lot of pride in being able to throw that circle change with the same arm speed from the, aims arm, the same arm slot and see guys swing over the top of it. It is such a lethal pitch to right-handers. I mean, it is an absolute killer to right-handers because you know, here they are thinking they're going to get a fastball you know, breaking the end of the middle of the plate, and that thing just stays out there, and they they could swing at it twice sometimes. I mean, and there are times that you'll see him, he has almost a 20-mile differential between the fastball and the, and the changeup. And so you're sitting there thinking dead red on a fastball count, and then he throws that changeup at you, and coming out of his hand, it's coming in straight. It doesn't have the great spin rate on it, so you know it's not a breaking ball. So you're thinking, okay, I finally get the fastball, and next thing you know, you swing and you look like a complete idiot because it's a 71-mile-an-hour changeup dropping down in his own. 
And so he has done that now. He did it against Southern Miss, did it against uh, Louisiana. You know, he uh, did, had a decent game against TCU, but we kind of threw him to the wolves that day. Didn't have a chance to kind of get his mind right. But a lot of people said, you know, Steve, what do we do on the weekend? We need to have a left-handed presence. Hey, you know, if McLeod can't get it done, you move Hootie out there. I mean, that guy can eat up some innings, and, and he's not one of these max effort guys that uh, – you know, if he has to go 80, 90 pitches, he's going to be out for two weeks. This is a guy that relies on his changeup. Kind of, everything kind of works off that changeup, which is ridiculous to think about. The way he kind of – the makeup of his game is incredible. And so, you know, he puts together a great run for us. And we kind of nurse that lead along and just kind of thinking, okay, at some point we're going to put this thing away. And we eventually do, uh, you know, looking at Harding's numbers here, five innings pitch, three hits – eight Ks to one walk, did have the one wild pitch, and he had a balk, and it was a legit balk. I know some of our fans didn't like it, but uh, just 67 pitches thrown in five inches. Talk, I mean, it's efficient, man. I mean, it, it's really efficient. I mean, you're getting by basically 13 pitches an inning. Uh, that dog will hunt, shall we say. And then – so then we finally get loose there, and it's the same situation. It's more situational hitting. We put, on, we put up two runs there in the bottom of six – and at that point, it, it probably felt like 20 runs. I mean, the way that we were pitching it, they were really struggling to do anything. And so we get to the uh, you know, the bottom of six here. Let me get there for you so I can pour these numbers up so I can recount this. And then there's Rowdy Jordan again being, you know, the top half of a, of a rally. You know, he works the count, works the count, works the count, and uh, is able to get on base. And then Tanner rips that single back up the middle, and he's in a disadvantage count there, down one, two. You're probably thinking breaking ball, whatever it was. He saw it, ropes it in the center. Rowdy takes third. You got Bulldogs on the corners with nobody out. They make a change there, bring in a new pitcher. We don't wait around, and we still second. So now all of a sudden, you got, again, two guys in scoring position with less than two outs. And what do they do? They blink again, another wild pitch. He spikes another breaking ball. Now it's a 3 nothing game. Uh, Cam strikes out, and then Luke Hancock skies the ball out there to center field, and Tanner Allen scores, and that's your scoring for the entire game. So we score four runs on four hits, and in the two scoring innings, we only have one hit per inning, so two hits. But it's good situational baseball, and that's the difference between, you know, sending these beer league clubbers up there and just hoping he runs into something. Yeah, there are going to be some games when you don't have a premium on hits, where you don't go out – when there is a premium on hits, excuse me. But you're, you're going to have some games out there you're not putting up double-digit hits. And so you've got to do the other things that put you into scoring situations. We did that against a good team. They're not a great team. They're not an elite team, but they're a good team. They're a really good midweek team for sure. And so happy to get the win. And uh, now we get ready to go play Eastern Michigan. And uh, But before we do, I've got some interesting numbers that I want to share with you after the break. Yeah, I gave you uh, Houston Harding's numbers right before the break about how you know lethal he was as a pitcher. You know, Preston Johnson, of course, makes his second. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. 
It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You have that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. F-Y. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like an appearance is a bulldog, and he's mowing guys down too. And it is so fun to watch that big guy pitch, man. I really like the way he does it. A two innings pitch allows one hit, four Ks. And then Landon Sims uh, gives up a couple of hits. And he's done that the last couple of outings. I know that kind of surprises some people. But people have got tape on him now. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be times he's going to give up some hits. And you saw him probably use his breaking ball a little bit more this past uh, Wednesday than you did uh, the, the previous outings. But uh, 5Ks for him, he's still out there throwing gas. So 17 strikeouts in the game, 17. So I want to make sure you guys understand kind of what this looks like because a lot of people at the beginning of the year said, you know, this is going to be the deepest pitching staff Mississippi State's ever had. Things are going to be great. And a lot of times we get hung up on the fact that our Friday and Saturday guys haven't been dominant yet. And so I, I just kind of want to put some things in context. And bear this in mind, this is without your Friday and Saturday guy being dominant, right? And so I, I expect Christian McLeod to have a much better outing today. I really do, I think, because he is a competitor. I think he's a guy that will really compete well. Uh, I did, do think Sarantola was better last week than he was in his first start. And so if he continues to progress, then hopefully we can get four or five uh, good innings from him this week. But, you know, I, I want everybody to do well. The thing about it is, though, is that uh, if you don't, there are more than enough guys out there that are eager to jump in there and take your spot in the rotation. So Mississippi State right now, number one in the nation in strikeouts per nine innings with 13.8. How about that? 
That's right. Number one in the nation, strikeouts per nine inning. That's because it's not just relying on the starters. I mean, we're, we're getting a lot of swings and misses up and down the order, no matter who we trot out there. Mississippi State, second in the nation in the total number of strikeouts with 180 strikeouts. The number one team in the country, who would that be? What's well, Texas A&M? They have 190. And here's the deal. They've played two more games than us. And so we're 10 behind them, and we're averaging, you know, almost 14 Ks a game. And so once the schedule kind of evens up, I mean, State could have the highest number of strikeouts in the country. We already had the most per nine. And so when you look at that and begin to realize, you know, hey, we're getting a ton of swings and misses, and we've had some struggles at times defensively. Well, when we're able to get all those Ks, there's a lot less balls being put in play. And so we need to find a way to kind of shore up a defense. But I think that kind of bodes well down the stretch because we, we've made some changes out there. You know, I think Lane Forsythe's been good at, 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 at short. Uh, Cam James makes a move back to third. And uh, there's some reports that uh, Landon Jordan may quit the team. And I know he's been frustrated, but I was told uh, late Thursday night that uh, coaching staff met with him and several of the players want him to kind of stick it out. And it's only been a week. I know he had won the job and then – you know, he didn't do anything to lose the job. And those are that's what happens. When a guy's struggling, they, they leave a lineup, you say, okay, well, I get it. And, you know, Cam James was struggling to play defense at short, but you needed to keep his bat in the lineup. He is your leading home run hitter. And so you have to slot him down to third. And so my hope is they'll figure these things out. Uh, I really like Landon Jordan. He is a great young man, and I believe he's a very good ball player and uh, has, has really made a jump defensively this year. That was the thing that I really worried about is I, knew, I always knew he could hit, but he never seemed to really have a natural position. He didn't look real comfortable at second, but uh, he has played really well at third this year, made some plays, and I was kind of like, wow, really? Wow. I mean, I mean taking some balls on the short hop and licking, licking runners back. I mean, he really looks like a little more, more polished player, and we're going to need him to make plays for us, so hopefully they can get that worked out. Uh, that's the hope. Now, moving along here, looking at some other numbers here, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, shutouts. And I don't know if you've paid attention to this, and if you, I don't know how you could have missed it, but uh, with the shutout of UL, Mississippi State has had three shutouts in a row. And we mentioned that on Twitter, and there's, all, there's always a few people out there that will never be happy no matter what we do. You know, you remember there was a time in 2014 we were number one in the country and undefeated, and we still found something to gripe about. But we struck out a bunch of people, and we didn't allow runs for three straight games. Kent State on Sunday, Grambling on Tuesday, and Louisiana on Wednesday. Now, I expect Kent State and Louisiana to make the tournament. I don't expect Grambling to make the tournament. I think Southern will win the SWAC. But that's probably a couple of tournament teams. So people say, well, it's not an SEC play. Well, we, that's why we have a non-conference. And nobody else is playing conference games yet either. But it's three shutouts. And so some people were acting like there was nothing to it. Well, let me just share with you this. And uh, I'm sure you've seen the numbers. The first stretch of shutouts, three shutouts in a row since 1976. Now, I've shared with you guys before, contrary to popular belief, we actually did play baseball before 1985. We did. And so back in the 70s, we, we had a very dominant pitching staff. And so in 1976, we had three shutouts in a row. We also had that happen in 1973. 
It also happened in 72 and in 1970. So over a period, four out of six years, we had three shutouts in a row in each of those seasons. Before that, you had to go all the way back to 1933 to find a year that we had three consecutive shutouts. Then you got to go way back to 1918. So you say, well, Steve, what are you getting at? Well, what would happen if we got a shutout on Friday? You know, if we're able to go out there and Christian McLeod puts together a dominant game and the bullpen takes over, and let's say we don't give up a run. And you'd say, Steve, don't jinx it. Well, there are no jinxes, okay? And uh, we're fans. We can kind of say and do what we want to say, and it doesn't really impact the outcome of a game. That's another novel concept, I know, but I'm not as – I don't have the same main character energy that I once did. I I don't think it matters what I wear, how I act, that sort of stuff. I I think they're going to go play the ball game. But um, we have never had four in a row in the last 100 years. you got to go all the way back to 1909 to find four shutouts in a row. And when you look at that – schedule you'll find five in a row so in 1909 the Aggies had five straight shutouts it's incredible to think about that and so that's the high mark right there and so let's just say for an example we get late in the ball game on Friday and and they got a bunch of goose eggs up there and you're gonna be thinking well when's the last time we had four shutouts in a row well now you know 1909 that's, that's how rare that is and you would say, you know, it's probably a bunch of non-conference competition. Well, actually, it was Ole Miss was the last game in that deal. And then they came back and broke our, our uh, scoreless inning streak in game two of the series. And what do we do in game three? We shut them out again. So we had six out of seven shutouts to end the 1909 season. Just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal, to borrow a phrase from Ben Howland. And so – that's where we are. And listen, I might have missed one along the way. I don't think so. I looked really close. And I, but I am also really tired. But uh, it is so rare to think about this. You know, we've had three shutouts in a row, and that has only happened seven other times in the history of our baseball program. That's it. It's crazy to think about that. And so it is a big deal, no matter who you're playing. Uh, and so we got, did a good job, and we kind of got all that done. And so what does that mean for your ERA? Well, we're actually in pretty good shape there, too. We're not leading the country, but we are in the top 20. Number 19 in the country, ERA of 2.62. We can do better. We can. And the numbers this time of year, because there's so many northern teams not playing many games, the numbers are kind of skewed. So if you look at raw earned runs, Mississippi State has allowed the 11th fewest in the country of 34 earned runs. 34. Number 11, 34. It's really cool to think about that. You know, and so – and that's in spite of all of these, quote, pitching problems. You know, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and deny that we've got to get we, – we need to get better starts on the weekend. But what happens to those numbers when we do get those good starts on the weekend? If we're already among the national elite and strikeouts per nine inning and total strikeouts and total earned runs allowed and ERA, once we get the rest of it figured out, that, just think about how lethal the staff can be. And so there's been so many years that we think, you know, what the pitching just holds out. you got so many guys right now, you can't get innings for everybody. So there's plenty of options. You don't have to sit out there and let a pitcher get beat on. You can go ahead and make the call and, and kind of get it done. But uh, I like where this thing sits right now, and I think we have a real chance to, uh, to do some big things this year.
yeah, we got to hit better. We do. But the nights that we don't hit better, we got to play good situational baseball. We have. When we get in a jam pitching wise, we, we got to punch somebody out sometimes. We got to roll up a double play. We have. But we haven't even played our best baseball yet. We had a good ball game last Sunday, you know, against Kent State. We have. Did a great job there. But I believe our best baseball is to come. And I think that uh, this Eastern Michigan series is a chance for us to kind of figure some final things out before we uh, get on the road next week to go down to Baton Rouge. Because, you know, the next week, once you get into your midweek stuff, you know, you're, the guys in the midweek, you're not going to throw on the weekend. You know you know what I'm saying? So it's like your pitching plans for the midweek should not have any impact on on the weekend. You kind of have your roles established, and that's kind of what we're working through now. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what we do. And so before we get out of here, I wanted to uh, take a look ahead and talk about Eastern Michigan. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys know Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryan. Brooks is your friend. He's my friend, friend of the program. And he's friend to people that, friends to people that are trying to uh, relocate to the Starkville area. If you're looking to make a move within town, across town, or move to town, give the folks at Portico a try. It's right off of Garrett Road, which is Pat Station Road, turns into Garrett Road. It's a new development there. You're going to be happy with that. It's 1.1 miles from campus. And there's been a lot of people that have taken advantage of these opportunities and they've already moved up there. I mean, it was 18 houses in the first phase. And if memory serves me correctly, they're down to five. And so if you're looking to make a move to Starkville soon, here in the next you know, few weeks, couple months, whatever, give them an opportunity to serve you. And you say, you know what, Steve, it's not time for us to go. We're going to wait for the kids to get out of school. That's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's going to be a second phase of construction out there at Portico. It's going to start moving dirt and get going late spring, early summer. And so you'll have an opportunity to take your summer vacation and get on up here and be excited about your new home in Starkville just in time for football season, and you can get the kids in school. So, listen, here's the deal. If you're looking for that, you're interested in that, you need to give Brooks Bryan a call. Brooks will answer all the rest of your questions Got houses for every size family, two bedroom, two bath, four bedroom, four bath. Houses of some, you know, substantial size as well. I mean, it's not going to be one of these deals where, you know, you're going to move up here and you feel like that you're living in a, uh, you know, in, in a luxury uh, economy apartment. It's going to be a great place for you to live. And so Brooks's phone number, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601 416 8075. All right, let's take a look at Eastern Michigan. They have not played a lot of baseball games. Eastern Michigan has played six games on the year. They opened the year taking a pair from Alabama State in Montgomery. That's the thing about northern teams. They have to fly south to play baseball early. And then, you know, we had the uh, all the craziness, you know, with the winter weather down here, kind of played havoc with baseball. But uh, they do take a couple of 2-1 and 4-3 decision against Alabama State. And uh, just so you guys could kind of be aware, you know, Alabama State is, uh, again, you know, a team that is recruited, you know, extensively in the state of Mississippi and uh, have had some players over there, but uh, they are far from a, uh, a baseball power. Currently 2-8 and eight on the year. 2-8. and eight on the year and so two of uh, two of those eight losses came uh, to eastern michigan so not necessarily a quality opponent and yet they they, they kind of put together a couple of uh, one-run games 
So it makes you wonder a little bit about uh, their offense a little bit. And then uh, they split a four-game set with Bellarmine of uh, Louisville, Kentucky. They lose 2-1 in the first game. They win game two, 12-6. They win – pardon me, I missed a game there. They won 7-2, lost 2-1, won 12-6, and then lost the uh, Church League softball game 11-10. So probably kind of run out of pitch in there. I had never heard of Bellarmine until I began to preview Eastern Michigan. And so just to make sure you guys are somewhat aware of what Bellarmine looks like this year, they are a 3-7 and team. 3-7. and seven. They, uh, they did play University of Louisville in the uh, opening weekend. And then they uh, had a bunch of games canceled and Played Eastern Illinois, and they played Eastern Michigan, and, uh, of course, they split there. So uh, just not a lot you look at there and say, you know what, Eastern Michigan has uh, has played a few ball games, and they haven't played anybody of any substance. And so kind of looking at numbers here, not a lot of numbers to look at, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, it's one of those things, too. I mean, you know, this is going to be – a a series for us to kind of work some things out after some of the difficult weekends that we've had you know we we need a weekend where hopefully we can kind of get things rolling before we get into conference play they have one hitter uh mark katula number 31 hitting 409 leads a team in a lot of categories uh nine hits four doubles a couple of rbis Got to get on base. Doesn't strike out a whole lot. Uh, Taylor Hopkins uh, hitting 318 for them. Infielder, junior out of Mason, Ohio, uh, six foot, 175 pounder. Uh, you know, putting the ball, bat on the ball, and you know when you you go down here, it's so hit or miss because you got other guys in the lineup that uh, just hadn't played very much. They're hitting well, but they just hadn't played a whole lot. But uh, you've got a handful of guys hitting over 300. You know, Katula, Gabe Denton, Will Olberg, uh, Evan Sines has played a limited amount, but he's hitting you know 333. Taylor Hopkins, we mentioned him 318, but uh, it drops off pretty significantly after that. A lot of guys hitting under 200, and a lot of that's just a lack of at bats. But uh, not a lot of power in the lineup. Uh, Jeff Timko has hit uh, a couple bombs for them, six RBI for them. Six foot one, two hundred and ten grad student transfer that uh, has shown up down there, trying to do some good things. Now let's look at uh, some pitching stuff for them. You know, and again, take all this with a grain of salt because you know when you look at the teams they played, you just don't really know, you know, what to expect from them. But um, Davis Feldman is the guy that has started a couple of games for them, and while his uh, record. Is 2-0, and you, you kind of look at who he plays and you, you say, well, I'm not exactly sure if I should get excited about that. But he is a 2-0 and guy with a 0.00 ERA. 11 innings pitch, allowed just six hits, walked six, struck out 10, and only give up a couple doubles. So when you do get a hit more times than not, it's not solid contact. And so uh, it's more singles than, uh, than anything else. And then outside of that, they don't have anybody else that has two starts. So Davis Feldman... They, I don't think they've announced their pitching plans, but I would say he's probably their best guy. We'll probably see him Friday night. But, you know, they could throw off and throw him on Saturday. Looking at other starts, uh, Justin Mias, I think that's his name, Justin Mias, 
Uh, he's had a couple of starts and um, is 0-1 on the year. So probably, I would say probably their Saturday guy, and they're kind of piecemealing this thing together. Uh, Mia's a right-handed pitcher, a junior from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Davis Feldman, a right-handed pitcher from Warren, Michigan. I like the sound of all these right-handers. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing that excites me is that, you know, we got a bunch of guys out here that left-handed swingers. So uh, Luke McGuire, also a starter for them, a right-hander. And another guy that's picked up a start for them is uh, Scott Granzato. Scott is a lefty, senior lefty. So of the four guys that have earned starts this year, three of the four right-handed pitchers. Uh, they have allowed seven home runs. Justin Mias is the, the, uh, the guy that's been victimized the most with three bombs allowed. And looking at base average, uh, batting average against, um, opponents are hitting 293 against Mias. And so – let me just put it to you as honestly as I can. We should sweep this series because we are playing an inferior opponent. Now, if we don't go out there and help them and walk a bunch of people or hit batters and, and put ourselves into precarious situations, I don't know that they're going to be able to, to put things together without our help. So this is a great opportunity for McLeod to get back on track and to kind of make it through the order a second time. This is an opportunity for Eric Sarantola to go out there and just rear back and throw and throw strikes and make guys compete. That's been the book on him. It's like, you know what, when he is when he's in the zone, he's unhittable. When he's out of the zone, it's unwinnable because he will walk the ballpark. And so, and I understand there's some mechanical things. They've tried to work out with him to kind of slow his arm down a little bit. Uh, I, I just think it's about getting these guys comfortable. Eastern Michigan – the reason this series happens, you know, Scott Weatherby goes up there and becomes the AD. And so, listen, it's, it's, it's an easy phone call for him to make. And so, we'll get them down here. And we have not played, you know, this is kind of our warm-up weekend. You know, in years past, you know, we'd play Quinnipiac or Wright State or somebody like that. And we try to find a way to feel good about that. But, you know, we, we had three top ten opponents the first week. We had – uh, one of the favorites in the AAC the second week and then the favorite in the MAC this past week. And this team that we're about to play, Eastern Michigan, probably the least talented team on the weekend that we've seen all year. And so while the schedule was difficult the first three weeks, you begin to look at it now and say, you know, this is a good way to get a break for some of our guys. I kind of like the way we've done it, to be honest with you. You get McLeod and you get Sarantola to the order twice shut them down, get to the bullpen, and then that way they're fresh next weekend when we go to LSU. And listen, I get it. I mean, a lot of our fans are thinking, you know what, Steve, I just, at this point I don't trust Sarantola. And he is, at this point this season, he has not given you any reason to trust him. I can tell you that the, the talent is there. It's just a matter of him being able to compete and pound the strike zone. Christian McLeod last weekend really kind of nibbled around the plate. You know, he's got great stuff. Just go get the hitters. And I think this weekend – with a team like Eastern Michigan that is somewhat challenged, you go out there and you go challenge those guys and you make them swing the bats. And you know what? If they hit a solo home run and that breaks this meaningless streak of shutouts, then so be it. But you can't sit there and nibble around there and then give guys free passes. That's what makes for a long weekend, sells a lot of antacids at Duty Noble Field. You know what I'm saying? We just need to get out there and take care of business. And I suspect we will. I, again, I think we're going to have a bounce-back weekend starting pitching-wise. And listen, Jackson Fristo on Sunday 
you know, we're three and zero when he starts. He's only got the one and zero record because he's got saddled with a couple of no decisions. But he has put us in a position to win ball games when he has been out there, and that's a future Friday night guy for you. You get excited about that. So uh, you you kind of at this point, it's a shame to say it, but you know, I think the the guy on the weekend that our fans are most comfortable with it, that they feel is the most reliable is Fristo as a guy that just got here. So. You get that part of it handled, and you get McLeod and you get Sarantola on track, you got the makings of a really good staff. And I think that's kind of where we are. And I think this weekend we're all going to emerge in the weekend, I believe, feeling a lot better uh, about them. And, again, it's a step down in, in competition, but sometimes you need that. Sometimes, you know, when you know you're playing Texas and TCU and those teams in week, week one and there's 100 scouts there to watch you, that's going to get next to you. There's not going to be 100 scouts to watch us play Eastern Michigan. There'll be some local guys and that sort of stuff, but it's not going to be anything that'll be a distraction. So I think a lot of these problems with both of these guys is between the ears. Both of them have great stuff. Both of them uh, have the ability to compete. But, you know, both of those guys, too, need to put up big numbers this year to put themselves in a situation where they can get drafted in a high enough way to go take care of their families. And so that's a lot of pressure to have to ride with. And so – you know, my hope is after seeing as the way that we have pitched it as well as we have the last three days, the last three ball games. you know, maybe that inspires them to say, you know what, I, I got to go handle my job. And I think that's what's going to happen. I, again, I think we're going to feel a whole lot better about things after the weekend. Could be wrong, but I don't think so. All right, let's get ready to get out of here. I'm ready to go to bed. I know you, many of you guys are just getting up and on your way to work. I'm, I'm finishing up the work day, and then we've got a full day on Friday. A couple of stories I want you to be looking for on Friday. If you're a Jeans Page reader, both of these stories will be free because I love them so much. I had a, a one-on-one exclusive interview with uh, Scotty DeBrule. Talk with him about acclimating here and you know how the team has embraced him and uh, you know how he's become your leadoff hitter. And I've got a really cool story. Had a chance to interview a young lady that's 90 years of age. She just recently celebrated her 90th birthday. And she is the former organ player at Duty Noble Field. And she has a kind of a silly story to tell. Some of our fans, and maybe some of you, kind of talked her into doing something that drew some attention with uh, her pump organ, shall we say. And so it was a great day to be able to interview her and kind of sit down and, and kind of learn it was one of those things she wasn't a great sports fan or anything she was a person that was very much into music and uh and ron polk heard about her and uh, went and heard her play and then hired her to come play for a season for us and so i'm going to write those two stories tomorrow you can look for those and uh again i'm looking for those stories about you know the thing that makes duty noble field such a great place it's not just because of the place that we make a lot of great memories together but it's people that make Duty Noble Field special. You know, I interviewed, uh, you know, Maggie here a few days ago. You know, she's the K lady. And, uh, you know, just her love for baseball is what led her to do that. You know, it's like, hey, I want to do the, the Ks. And she does, you can follow her on Twitter and that sort of stuff. And uh, she kind of keeps up with who did what and how they did. You know, I got my friend Chad Dacus out there, the, the best beard in the city. Uh, kind of running the show out there. You can walk around there to Left Field Lounge or Selmy Wolcott. You know, I mean, there, you know, there's so many people out there that, uh, you know, there's Hobie, of course, and there are people that make it special. There's the Candyman. You know, it's our place, and it's a place for all of us as the Bulldog family can kind of set aside all of our obligations and work, and we can go be kids again for a little while. 
And uh, I, I want to tell as many of those stories as I can because I think it's important that we highlight our family members and their love for these great diamond dogs. If you're looking for more stories about Mississippi State, and you darn well should be, go to alphadogsthebook.com. And I've had some people ask me lately, and I repeat this all the time, if you go to alphadogsthebook.com, you can get all three books. It's not just Alpha Dogs. You can get Alpha Dogs and Stark Villains and Flim Flam all at alphadogsthebook.com. And I'll personalize them however you'd like. You can get signed copies or you can get personalized copies. If you want to send Flim Flam to your old Miss brother-in-law, just send me your notes. I'm happy to sign it any way you want. Uh, but if you like those great Mississippi State football, baseball, basketball stories, I've got a ton of them in Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, visit them at StarkVillains.com, and you can get T-shirts and hoodies uh, right there. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.